0: From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
1: The scripture reading is from Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 16 through 27. And at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way, in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die for his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die for his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. Again, if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and commits injustice and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because you have not warned him, he shall die for his sin and his righteous deeds that he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the righteous person not to sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live, because he took warning, and you will have delivered your soul. And the hand of the Lord was upon me there, and he said to me, Arise, go out out into the valley, and there I will speak with you. So I arose and went out into the valley, and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there, like the glory that I had seen by the Chibar Canal. And I fell on my face, but the spirit entered entered into me and set me on my feet. And he spoke with me and said to me, go shut yourself within the house, your house. And you, O son of man, behold, cords will be placed upon you and you shall be bound with them so that you cannot go out among the people. And I will make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth so that you shall be mute and unable to be to reprove them for they are, are are a rebellious house. But when I speak with you, I will open your mouth, and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God, he who will hear, let him hear, and he who will refuse to hear, let him refuse, for they are a rebellious house. This is the very word of God.
0: And so we are here in our fun study of Ezekiel, right, Emily? Our fun study of Ezekiel, <laughs> Caleb. How do we describe it? Not fun, <laughs> but rather terrifying. Um, so, uh, terrifying. We'll, we'll go with that one. That was that was the word I liked to best describe this morning, as we jested about how fun the book of Ezekiel has become. Um, so far in our study of Ezekiel, a few weeks ago, uh, we saw Ezekiel describe an encounter with the throne room of God, um, perhaps initially very bizarre, hard to understand, um, very difficult to interpret. Hopefully last week, as we kind of wrapped up the end of chapter two and moved into chapter three, it was a little bit easier for us to Uh, to understand what was going on, the things that were being described. Um, And if you'll remember, uh, as Ezekiel ends, uh, comes near to the end of this uh, picture that he's trying to describe of that throne room experience, um, he is called by God to be a prophet. So he sees all of these things that are hard to understand, but very clearly at the end, God says, you are going to be my prophet. Been preached through that, and, and he explained to us how that role of prophet is to proclaim the message that God has given. Any prophet in the Old Testament was called to receive a particular message from God and then go out and proclaim it to the people that that he said. Sometimes Israel, sometimes other peoples, but regardless, that was the role. And he explained how that role is extrapolated to us as new covenant believers. In that sense, we are prophets. God has given us a message to proclaim the gospel of our king, Jesus, and we are to go out and proclaim it. Church, you, in that sense, are prophets. Now, moving on into chapter, the end of chapter three, we see another calling, and Ezekiel is now not only called a prophet, but a watchman for Israel. So the question begs to be answered, are we also watchmen? And so today's sermon, we're gonna have uh, three points to help us answer the question, if we, as New Covenant followers of Jesus Christ, are watchmen in the sense that Ezekiel was a watchman for Israel. So for those of you that like the points, I'll give you those, and then uh, we'll get started. Uh, Point one that we'll need to answer this question is, what is a watchman? What does that mean? Number two, specifics of Ezekiel's call to be a watchman. We saw the specifics of the prophecy or to be a prophet, but now we're gonna look at the specifics of him being called as a watchman and all of those things that it entails. And then we're gonna need to look at what we are called to in the New Covenant. So what is our New Covenant calling? Okay, and then four, The work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know I said that we had three points, and I just gave you four, um, but it's really it's it's a bit confusing as we walk through all of this because we're not going to be able to see exactly what a watchman is from our text today. So we got two things in these points that are not directly tied into our exact text today, and then we've got some that are, and then. We, we can't just leave the Holy Spirit out, right? Like, I mean, we need to figure out what a watchman is, but we also have some very specific spirit talk in the text that we need to address um, that isn't related to if we are a watchman, but certainly to who we are as New Covenant believers. So here we go. To begin with, we need to understand culturally what a watchman is, point one. A watchman can refer to a couple of things, all right? It can be one whose job is to sit on a wall or a tower, and to literally watch for dangers that are coming. Now, uh, this type of job was, in particular, a night job. They were to sit and guard either a city or a vineyard. Okay, very specific term for these watchmen. And their job was to keep their eyes peeled for dangers that are coming. Now, if that watchman were to fall asleep or to get distracted during his job, it could mean the loss of a harvest, right? If your job is to, to, to watch for the vineyard and you're not paying attention and the grapes are ripe and foxes are in the vineyard and wild cats and, and all of these other things are there eating the grapes, you're gonna lose the crop. That's a big deal. That's your livelihood or someone's livelihood because you're being paid to be the watchman. Or in the worst scenario, you're a watchman on a city wall or in a city tower, and you're not paying attention, and the enemy comes, the city walls fell, and the people's blood are on your hands. This is one type of watchman, all right? Uh, The second type of watchman is a type that's also a gatekeeper. This one often was also on top of a wall, but it'd be a much smaller wall. This is a type of wall that would keep animals in corral. Okay, so this was a watchman, gatekeeper that would keep out, look of safety, just the same as the other watchmen, but would also be responsible for keeping the gate to let animals in and out to the rightful owners. Often shared pens that livestock could be brought into. People would come and keep them there for safety for a period of time and take them back out to grazing. So this is our second type of watchman. Um, now, what we should know about watchmen is this isn't all just historical text that you can look this up in. Watchmen are, their their job, what they do is described often throughout the Old Testament. Very, very common. We can look in lots of different places for what the responsibilities were, for um, what, what that role was described as. Uh, you can look at, I'll give you a short list. Some people like to go back and look this stuff up. So if you want some cross-references, 2 Samuel 18, 24, 2 Kings 9, 17, um, Habakkuk 2, 1, that's a list of three of probably about 30 that you can look up. All right, so so a lot of this information of what a watchman is doing is a biblical context. They're being described this way in the Old Testament. We should also note that um, not only are they referenced like this, but Ezekiel is not the only person to be called a watchman in the Old Testament. Okay? Uh, we can see that watchmen are set over the house of Israel, Jeremiah specifically, uh, Jeremiah 4-5, Hosea 8-1, both specifically call them watchmen over the house of Israel. And then, if you want to look even more, you can go throughout Isaiah chapter 21, chapter 56, chapter 62, lots of other places as well. Watchmen are described being set over Israel. And this is both done in a positive and a negative context. God says, I have placed over you watchmen. And positively, God has done that, but then Israel doesn't listen to them. It's also described negatively. God says, I set up watchmen, but you are blind. You're not even capable of doing your job now. Okay. So this is what a watchman is. Short definition and exposition of what it looks like in the Old Testament. All right, number two. Let's look at some specifics of Ezekiel's calling, now that we kind of have an idea of what a watchman can be. One of these two things, right? So two main points for us to look at in regards to Ezekiel's call. One is the call as watchman is separate from his call as prophet. Okay, I don't know if you guys, we read this entire text so that we could hear all of that scary uh, if you do this or don't do this stuff, but also so that we could pick up on the context. Because if you look back at verses 15 through 17, it says this, I came to the exiles at Tel Aviv who were dwelling at the Chibar Canal, and I sat there where they were dwelling, and I sat there overwhelmed among them seven days. And at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So any direct connection to be made with the call of prophet and the call of watchman need to be individually examined. They were two different events. They happened two, uh, seven days apart, okay? Throne room experience. He sits dumbfounded for seven days and then has another experience with God where God calls him a watchman. Number two, the call as a watchman had clearly defined responsibilities and consequences that were not previously associated with prophet, nor always associated with prophet prior to anything that we would read in the Old Testament. And by that, I mean that there is an extension to his call as prophet, where he has this responsibility for proclaiming the message that God gives. And here he even gives more specifically what that message is going to sound like. So part of his call of a watchman is an extension of his call as a prophet. But there is a consequence to his actions that is not associated with his call as prophet. And that is that there was an accountability that if Ezekiel did not proclaim the message that God was giving, that it was going to cost someone their soul. He says, proclaim it, and if they listen, they'll be saved. Proclaim it, and if they don't listen, they're going to perish. Don't proclaim it. Their blood is on your hands. Stand on a wall. Watch for the approaching danger. I'm going to tell you, it's coming. And if you don't call out to the people behind that wall that can't see the danger coming themselves, it's on you. Pay attention. Don't fall asleep. Keep your eyes peeled. Proclaim the danger is coming because otherwise the blood is on your hands. See the connection? All right. So, profit, extension, proclaiming the message, consequence, it's going to be on you if you don't do your job. That's the distinction of the watchman in this particular case. So, Ezekiel has the possibility of the blood of Israel, specifically Israel, on his hands if he doesn't do his job this time. Now, what does that mean to us in the New Testament, though? Last week, it was very clear. Prophet Ezekiel, proclaim a message. New Testament believers, proclaim the message. In that sense, you're a prophet. But what about us as watchmen? Do we have that same call on us Can the blood of those who don't hear by our silence be on our hands? Terrifying, right, Caleb? (laughs) Terrifying is the word to describe this. Okay, so some more questions to ask. Is the word watchman used in the New Testament? Is it there? Well, um, yes and no. And we're going to weed some of this out so that we can clearly understand what our New Testament call is. We're in point three, if you're, if you're taking those notes. So, um, in John chapter 10, the term for the gatekeeper is directly used. I'm gonna read it to you so that you can hear it. Um, the gatekeeper watchman. And it's Jesus speaking, and he says this. Um, he says that, that there is a gatekeeper The message is going to be proclaimed, but he goes on and he explains not only that he is the gatekeeper, but he's also the gate, and he's the good shepherd doing the calling through that gate, okay? We can't extrapolate that one to us, right? We're not the good shepherd. We are not the gate, right? So we can't directly apply that one to us. So that is the only place that this term is specifically used, in the New Testament. Now, there are lots of allusions to this role, and we're gonna look at a couple of them. The most clear is in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give and have to give an account. Okay, so for currently three people in this room we're watchmen, we're a gatekeeper in the same sense that Ezekiel was. Because here, we specifically are told that these elders are to keep watch over souls and you will have an account for that. So, John, Ben? Yes, the answer is yes. You do have this type of responsibility on you. However, As I scoured the New Testament, nowhere else could I find a direct reference to the job of watchman in the sense of Ezekiel being placed on every other believer. It's interesting. One role directly, directly given us in the New Testament, the other not directly given to the believer at large. No doctrine of the watchman to be applied. Now, I also did a lot of other reading outside of the New Testament. If you get online and you start looking at what it means to be a watchman from the New Testament, there's a lot of wacky stuff out there. A lot of people that will take this call of Ezekiel and put a burden on us that that you might not believe or even say that it's a, a described role and office of the church. Um, I couldn't find any evidence of that. So some of you are sitting there now thinking, okay, so this is an Old Testament passage. This was a calling that was specific to Ezekiel. Therefore, it does not apply to me. Why are we wasting our time talking about this entire argument? And to that, I would say you are both right and wrong in thinking that we should never blindly extrapolate an Old Testament uh, passage or calling or a New Testament one for that matter to us in the New Testament. We should never blindly do that. However, we, we do need to understand the concept of what God is saying and the way that some people in the New Testament behaved when they bring these two things together. So we gotta dig a little bit deeper into this to find out uh, exactly where we should stand. Now, if we look at the Great Commission, we'll just start there to begin with. Matthew 28, 19. We know this one, right? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. This is our commission. This is our call as prophets, right? We can start there. So let's look at some people that took this very, very seriously. We're gonna look at a couple of examples. And... Uh, the first of which is going to be in 2 Corinthians 5, 19 through 20. Paul describes this call as a prophet in a slightly different term that I want us to come back to a little bit later in the sermon. And he says, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the word to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us a message of reconciliation, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Do you hear that? This is your calling. That direct calling that Ezekiel had, this is the direct calling that you have, that the church at Corinth has, that the church of Crosstown has. You guys know what an ambassador is while we're defining roles? an Ambassador is one sent on behalf of, of a king to proclaim a message. Sound familiar? Right? You are directly described as an ambassador. Not someone to sit and watch for a message and then proclaim it to some people on a, behind the wall. You're called an ambassador, someone who is to go with a message, an active role of proclaiming what God has told you. Now, Paul might very clearly, I mean, I mean he clearly lived as an ambassador. He's the one that wrote this, but he, he may very well have had the call of Ezekiel in mind when uh, he was proclaiming to the Jews at Corinth, same place that this letter, that this call of ambas- being ambassador went to. He may very well have had Ezekiel's call in mind when he was in Corinth himself. And I, wanna, I want you to look at Uh, Acts chapter 18, verse six with me. Because he had made this effort to be an ambassador to the Corinthians, the Jews at Corinth. And this is what he said when he was opposed. And when they opposed him and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your heads, I am innocent. From now on, I'm going to the Gentiles. Sound kind of familiar? So though we are not directly described to have the call of watchmen, nor is it put upon you directly in text that, that that blood is on your hands. Paul certainly had some type of concept of that call, at least for himself. We should keep that in our mind when we think about our call to be an ambassador or a prophet. Okay, Another New Testament parallel to the text that we just read, I'm gonna read Ezekiel 3 and then I'm gonna read 1 Timothy 4:16. Uh, Ezekiel 3, 21 reads like this. But if you warn the righteous person not to sin and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning and you will have delivered your soul. 1 Timothy 4:16 says this. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. There is obviously some tie to the fact that the word of the gospel needs to be heard. Because if people don't hear it, there's a consequence. And although it may not be the same consequence described specifically to Ezekiel, there is certainly a responsibility that we are given. Okay, so in conclusion, are we watchmen? I would submit no. I don't think that there's enough evidence to say specifically you are a watchman in the sense that Ezekiel was a watchman. But, but, are watchmen in a sense, and probably in a sense that Ezekiel couldn't even realize. Because when I said there were allusions to being a watchman, there are lots of allusions to watching for something in the New Testament that's not tied specifically to the message, not tied specifically in the way that we've been talking about it to being an ambassador and proclaiming. And I wanna point out a few examples of ways that you are to be a watcher in the New Testament. Okay, I already mentioned the one for the elders. We are to watch for false teaching. And that's not just on elders, but it's all teachers. You are to be mindful of what teaching is being proclaimed. In our church, we're responsible for what comes from this stage and what gets published by our church. We are responsible that it be doctrinally sound. But as a teacher in general, you're accountable for what you tell people comes from the word of God. And that's a formal sense, that's an informal sense. There is a truth to be proclaimed from the word of God and there's an accountability to that truth. In that sense, there's a responsibility for souls. As ambassadors, we are to proclaim the gospel, we're to actively be going out. This is watching for where God is at work and being a part of it. But the one that, that Ezekiel, in all of the hard to interpret stuff that he saw, that he didn't have a full glimpse of, is Jesus Himself. We get to see something that he didn't get to see. Magnificent stuff that he saw, stuff that we don't even comprehend, but we can comprehend Jesus. And so we are to be on the lookout for what we can see. If you're sitting in this room today and you're a believer and the veil of your heart, that blindness has been taken away and you can see Jesus for who he is as the king, be watching for it. Hebrews 12.2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's a clear picture that Ezekiel didn't get in his throne room experience. And why are we keeping our eyes closed to it? Church, watch for it. Find the joy that Christ found set before him. Corinthians 4.18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are Seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Ezekiel got to see some eternal things. We often don't. Not in the context that he did, anyways. But guys, you're sitting in this room because you know that there is an eternity to be had. You can see that. And we are surrounded by people that don't see it, they are blind to the gospel just like those watchmen that are spoken negatively of in Israel. Be an ambassador. Open eyes to see what you can see. Mark 13, 32 through 35. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning. Sounds like some urgency that Ezekiel was given. Point four, We're running out of time. They, I don't have a timer today. It's, a, it's on you guys. <laughs> they said eight minutes. Um, <laughs> um, the work of the Holy Spirit. We would be amiss to not take probably the most impactful point that there is to be had in today's text. I don't know if you guys caught this, but um, Ezekiel was not called to a task and left by himself to complete it. In church, we aren't either. All those things that I just encouraged us to be about, we're not left to do on our own, okay? Let me reference very quickly verse 12, 14, and 24 and see where this comes from. In 12, the spirit lifted me up and I heard behind me the voice of a great earthquake. Blessed be the Lord from its place. Or blessed be the glory of the Lord from its place. Spirit lifted up. 14, the spirit lifted me up and took me away and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit, the hand of the Lord being strong upon me. And then in verse 24, but the spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. He spoke with me and said to me, go, shut yourself within your house. Three times, Ezekiel is tasked in this text. Three times, he falls on his face. And three times, the Holy Spirit lifts him up. Now, as I talked about being an ambassador this morning, as I talked about the weight of that falls on elders and teachers and are called to prophecy and proclaiming the gospel, your heart may have been heavy. And that may have wanted to make you fall on your face in despair or in worship. I don't know which. It was in Ezekiel's case. Probably the prior. We often think about this as just an automatic reverence and a falling in worship. But three times he fell on his face. Listen to the way he describes himself. I mean, he, he was overwhelmed by what was happening, yes. But he says in verse 15, after all this had happened, he'd been taken away, and seven days he sits overwhelmed from that throne room experience. Seven days, just like straight up dumbfounded about what he had just seen. Dumbfounded or overwhelmed? How many of us feel that way about our call to proclaim the gospel? Seven days he didn't go and be a prophet seven days, he sat there dumbfounded. He was told what to do. The Holy Spirit took him there and he sat there dumbfounded. Took God giving another call to Ezekiel, a specific call to him to be a watchman for him to proclaim the message that he was given. If we go back to the second Corinthians, Passage that I read earlier about the ambassador, um, we can see that that spirit that was given to Ezekiel to proclaim the message that he was given is promised to us. If we go back to that commission where we started from Jesus himself, I will be with you. He goes on to say, and I'm sending the spirit to be with you. When we feel like falling on our face, and we feel dumbfounded by our call to be prophets and ambassadors, we have a promise. If we read on just a little bit further in that Second Corinthians passage, if you keep going to chapter five and into six, um, it says this. In a favorable time, I listened to you, and in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry, but as servants of God, we commended ourselves in every way by great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, and the Holy Spirit, genuine love by truthful speech and the power of God. With the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and are yet true. The passage speaks to everything that came from the, the prior passages this morning. That by the Holy Spirit, they were able to perform the calling that they were given. As new covenant followers of Jesus Christ, we're called to proclaim the gospel. And we should expect no less than what was promised to Ezekiel. You're gonna proclaim it to some and they're not gonna believe. That's on them. Just like Paul and all of the things that he just said that he went through, but in righteousness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he was able to proclaim we should expect no less from the people that we are called to proclaim the gospel to. Yet, we have a spirit to empower us to do so. Let me pray. Father, we should confess that we all too often have lost urgency in spreading the good news of our Lord Jesus. And if not specifically called as watchmen in the sense of Ezekiel, you have called us specifically to be disciples, to be proclaimers and baptizers in the name of Jesus Christ, our King. Specifically, you have called us to be ambassadors. We can't ignore those callings. We can't ignore that they are a more proactive calling than sitting on a wall. God, let us keep our eyes focused on King Jesus. Let us be people who love the sight of our king. Let us walk by your spirit in service, faithful to proclaim that good news. And God, let us forever be watchful for your return as it drives us in urgency God, do not let us set seven days dumbfounded from today's message. God, let your spirit pick us up and move us to proclaim your word this week. It's in Jesus' name I pray.